Hello and welcome back to episode three of This and That Pod with Sam. Hi. And Steve. <laughs> oh, that was lame. <laughs> All right. On today's episode, we're going to try not to start off with something so sad. And we're going to start off with the FBI's lack of respect for all of our privacy. Rather entertaining, if you ask me. <laughs> Followed by the return of Andy, the British Murray. Sir Andy, how happy you have. Is he sir? Yeah, he's knighted. And we're also going to highlight something that we think's been a little bit overlooked and not everyone might know about, and that is the Rohingya crisis. Um, on with the pod. First section. FBI's lack of respect for our privacy. So at this point, we're all familiar with the idea that the FBI and pretty much every respective government is just peeping in on everything we're doing. And it appears that the FBI have been properly caught out on spying on their citizens without the legal cause to which is great fun. Um, you want to add anything? <laughs> on, only this can't be the uh, first time this has ever happened. I mean... I mean, there was the whole Snowden thing. That was quite a few years ago. Yeah. Him with his Rubik's Cube <laughs> flicking about. <laughs> he had to run away to Russia, of all places. Yeah, is, is he still there or is he I in think China? He, I or? think he's floating between the two. Having a bit of a flirt. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy a flirt. <laughs> So it's been released that in 2017 alone, the FBI ran 3.1 million searches of American public's personal emails and messages, which some might say, oh, that's, you know, they just got to do that to find the bad people. But when you look at two things, one is that many of those were unjustified, as in they were not made on suspects of crime or people that were even related to crime. And also... The CIA and NSA combined only made 7,500 searches compared to the FBI's 3.1 million. I mean, that's quite a difference, that is. It's huge. Between the usual suspects of uh, the CIA <laughs> looking into people. The CIA watching you through your fridge. <laughs> My smart fridge, no! <laughs> <laughs> but um, now that's quite telling. Yeah. Because um, I guess you, you'd think... Oh, it doesn't matter, you know, I'm not doing anything. They can look through my emails. I'm just getting some poor replies from Indeed. Oh, it's just <laughs> head chef in Norway job. <laughs> hey, do you want to come and teach in China? <laughs> but, um... No. <laughs> <laughs> but that what you said there immediately is one of the things that bugs, it grinds my gears, Stephen. Does when it really... people just say like, but I'm not doing anything wrong. I don't mind. Do you, do you believe that? Yeah, no, it, it does annoy me a little bit because I think it's people... Um, I think that mentality only works if you assume that the government and these agencies have the very best of intentions. Which? Which, let's be honest. When they decide to flaunt the rules and collect this information without the proper basis... Which they do. ...is automatically kind of what I would say is not playing fairly. It's dodgy. It's a bit, it's a bit dodge. Yeah, um, a little bit of background on how they do this. Um, the program that they use to do this legally, in quotations, is the National Security Agency's Mass Surveillance Program. 
I mean, that's got a nice ring to it right from the bat. Yeah. The NSA MSP. Ooh. Yeah. Acronyms. Um, so, yeah, essentially, program intercepts personal messages and obtains communications from eight of the largest tech companies in the US without need of a warrant. So you're just reaching into like Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. They're unnamed in the articles I found, but you would think those oh, are the big boys. Aren't yeah, they? I mean, yeah. Facebook is the largest social networking yeah. site. And if you world. think that's the same company as WhatsApp and Instagram, <laughs> they've yeah. got all they've your got needs. everything. Yeah, they can see, they can see your titties, they can see your two inch penis. My two inch penis. Sam, I'm sorry, it's on the internet right now. Oh God. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean in one day alone in twenty seventeen they ran six thousand eight hundred searches. Um but the way they get away with it, hypothetically, is they've built their own loophole into their own programme, those clever bastards. <laughs> called the what has been called the assessment loophole. And that's that something doesn't count as an investigation unless it runs for over 72 hours. So anything for less than 72 hours is an assessment, oh, which you wow. don't need a warrant for. That's crazy. Let that sink in. <laughs> so they've made their own rule around what counts as an investigation to get around the law, which specifies it. Yes. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's some messed up stuff. So as long as they... Oh, that's just fishing for information. And then they just need to find something. If they find something dodgy... Then they can just start an investigation. Yeah. And then prove that they had it in the first... Oh, that's... Which they've actually done. That was one thing that Snowden released back in back in the day, is there was evidence that they found on someone, and then they've actually made a word for it, where they've re-obtained it by going through a more... Sound Legi- legitimate legal source. Method, oh god, that's just their original sneaky. Means. That's legitimately the basis of every kind of dirty cop film. Like he beats up one guy, asks where the evidence is to yeah. then get it. Actually, if anybody's watched Luther, that is practically what that I entire show. That that's that's basically about? what the show's about. I mean, Luther's lovely, but it's, it's, it's just Elba. Just a, yeah. He's just a cop, but, you know... He's just a cop. He's, he needs to get... <laughs> he doesn't play by the rules. You're a maverick, Luther. <laughs> God damn it, he gets results. <laughs> but it's against legislation. <laughs> yeah. You're not following the proper paperwork, Luther. <laughs> I don't give a damn. But yeah, so that's the uh, the latest... It's not even speculation anymore, is it? I mean, it never oh, was God, after no. Snowden, but it's just the fact that it's still going on. I think it's just... Ten years it later. kind of reiterates the fact that when people think their data doesn't matter, you know, what you look up, what you're kind of doing, you know, whether it's just a little bit of this and that. <laughs> but, that was amazing. But <laughs> it just goes to show that everything you've ever done has a footprint online. Mm. And however... And you, sm- can't, you, you can't delete stuff. Oh, no, absolutely not. Like, there's been certain things around being able to like remove stuff from like Google's top pages and Google stuff, but ultimately the data and the data behind that data that underpins it is still going to be there forever. Yeah. Um, so whether you think you're doing something inconsequential now, it doesn't matter because in the future, if something changes, like we're going to talk about later in terms of minorities being targeted, if you become the suspect or the target of essentially 
faceless kind of viewing mm, or yeah. assessment in this case, anything you've done before that they can use against you can be used against you now. Would you even see with like things like Twitter, if people scroll back 10 years, find something dodgy and boom, bye-bye. Yeah, look career. at Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart, James Gunn. And that's, that's not even like... That's so superficial then. Yeah, imagine It's not like even the little things, like an odd, things. an odd Google search you had one day. Maybe you were a little drunk, you know, you got your hangover, and you're thinking, what's the best way to cure a hangover? Next thing you know, black pudding in the arsehole. <laughs> 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 and now, that video is it, all, works, over, <laughs> all over Snapchat. <laughs> yeah, it's that's why the whole, I don't mind because I'm not doing anything wrong, is... I think it's the wrong mentality just because... The assumption on your end is not right. Yeah, it's not even, correct. Even if you get rid of the principle of it doesn't matter, it's privacy. Just the tides can turn, and you know a law might get put in place that genuinely doesn't work because laws aren't perfect. Yeah, and, and I th- I think on a very general basis, as an individual, having your privacy automatically grants you a bit of protection against kind of larger forces um yeah. not like sinister or anything but just by having the ability to be able to not be searched um randomly or you know without proper reason it creates safety on your end and creates the kind of nice balance between you and the authorities mm. that nobody wants to feel like they're under constant surveillance no absolutely not and it's been shown in various things that like people don't work very well they're not happy when they're under surveillance yeah, it's just, it's not cool. I mean, people always bring up as well 1984, which understandably... You're you know, reading at the moment? I am reading at the moment. <laughs> so you're very paranoid. It's just a bit weird, isn't it? Like, you start seeing the stuff from that book, which I think was written like in the 50s, coming about today. Like They all have a telly screen in every room in their house, which records and watches what they're doing. And as like, you're seeing adverts from Facebook now for their portal thing, mm. which is saying... Even when you move, hmm. the camera still follows yeah. you. It's like you could no. never escape. Yeah. <laughs> we we already. It's like you see Zuckerberg when he was on trial and he brings out his own laptop, and he's taped up over every microphone and camera on there. If the head of Facebook's doing that, the man who controls one of the most powerful networking sites in the world believes that his device could be made unsafe. Yeah. Then. What, I mean, it's not what, as we said, we? it's not even speculation, is it? It's like the fact is it happens, like and oh god. It is only It's okay. gotten you down. Yeah, it, it is it's bit. It's making you afraid. What is this microphone picking up? Yeah. <laughs> General shit chit chat between two men. Oh god. <laughs> the whole world will find out we're not even funny. <laughs> well. Yeah. But um yeah, so that was supposed to be our non-depressing starter for an episode i think it was yeah i think it was just a kind of we found the news story we thought it was interesting to the point where again it's a government agency unable to rightly use our data Mm. again to do their job there's just you can't like i'm sure most people don't but i just go so you really can't trust the governments anymore in that kind of way like it's just time and time again they get found out. Yeah, I it's think, like, oh, we won't do it anymore. I think the area, the era of trusting government as our kind of benefactor is over and it's really more the era of accountability in terms of what 
politicians can say in terms of what government agencies do and in terms of how they manage our data. I mean, it's accountability is also borderline fear. I mean, if you were trying to get something done, I mean, as we're all very well in our country, things are fairly happy. But if you are in a country where, you know, you do want to rise up in some sort of way and riot, like, this suddenly gets in the way of it if they just can listen to everything you're doing. You can't organise, you can't discuss problems in the country if it goes too far that way into just dictatorship, which can't be questioned. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's really that kind of ability for a government where it should be a government works for the people to be able to intersect that halfway through and make it the government suppresses the people mm. so they stay instead yeah. of being accountable to their actions yeah, and then be the being the will of the people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, something just light-hearted to start the pot <laughs> off with. Yeah, yeah, that's good, wasn't it? <laughs> but, so, um, tape over everything. <laughs> <laughs> tape over this pod right now. Yeah, I mean, this was only about Americans, this specific article, but I... Highly doubt it's just them. Maybe I'm sure I mean, there's no doubt that any modern intelligence agency is questioning their own people to the degree where they most certainly have access to a lot of data yeah. and whether they decide to use all that data appropriately is up to them. But I think the assumption should be made that they are working to not protect the individual. Oh, God, so your no. individual data is not safe. But I think, um, just for me personally, I think it's it's fine if, you know... I use a social media and I use that service and they provide like personalized ads and stuff. That's transactions fine because that's the cost of essentially a free app like Facebook, like Instagram. That's how they make their money. What I'm unhappy with is they're not, I'm aware of that transaction. What I'm not aware of are these kind of moves that are being made behind the scenes to use the data that I think is being used in one way for another means. But before we decide that we're going to stop the pod and then move to a cave in the middle of Northern Ireland to escape oh, every election. Oh, they're so backwards, though, <laughs> <laughs> for all the Northern Ireland fans. Um, but, um, no, get in, get in touch. Tell us what you think. Um, are you kind of happy with the way you think data is being used by people, or are you not bothered? Yeah, which camp do you sit in? Yeah, t- tell us, and we're, we might have an update on the next pod around people's views, um, maybe if there's enough people that get into contact before we shut down the, the, the social medias yeah. out of fear. But um, I guess we move on to Sir Andy Murray and The Great Return. Yeah. Okay, and on this portion of the pod, we go to the uplifting news, and we're sticking with sport, like last week. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. This is a great news story. And Andy Murray, Sir Andy Murray, the best British tennis player to have ever lived. Andrew Baron Murray. Is that his middle name? I think so. That's a strong middle name. <laughs> Isn't it? It's not, is it at all? Not like it is. <laughs> all right, we'll go with it now, Sir Baron. Um, he had just finished. It was the. He's just won the European Open in Antwerp tonight. Um, this was good because. In January of this year, um, he was in the Australian Open. That's one of the one four Grand Slams. It's one of the biggest tournaments of the year. And in that, he retired from a match injured, I believe. How far did he get? 
actually. Uh, third round, I think. Okay. Um, off the top of my head, he might have been he might be knocked out, but um, it was quite clear at that point that he was playing with um, an injured hip. Um, it was kind of assumed that the injury sustained would be career ending. Yeah, they had. You said they had a whole. Uh... Yeah, they had like, a, pre- reel, like... a presentation with the highlights reel of, you know, all his wins and goodbye, like, Andy. you know, it basically was a goodbye and it's a bit awkward because he actually hadn't said he'd retire <laughs> or he was going to retire. So it was a bit like, okay, but it's like, it's it was... a bit like Jordan Belfort. It's like, <laughs> I'm not fucking leaving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. <laughs> but, um, essentially what happened was everyone did fear that it was his last match in professional tennis yeah. and he'd be forced to stop which, the angry Scotsman yeah I can I can only imagine that's the worst kind of way to stop a sports career having to be stopped yeah. before you feel you're ready well he said as well he said uh, that it had been hurting him for years and it got to the point where like he was struggling to just walk his dogs and that yeah kind of he thing, was so. he was really struggling and so he went to have this surgery um, it was a hip surgery and I think you you know a little bit I more got about a little that. bit about it. So Give me the deets. Essentially, hip joint, you've got ball and socket. And Classic. His, the cartilage of the socket was damaged in him, and that was deforming the ball part. Okay. And so the surgery is smoothing out his ball. You know what? I bet you like the sound <laughs> of that. And then covering it with a metal cap. Ooh. And, yeah, so now he's Superman. Although apparently it can wear out after 10 to 15 years, so. Well, he's not going to play for 10 to 15 <laughs> years. But the whole point is that no player has ever come back from this kind of injury and surgery um, into a singles format. Yeah, singles. Before, really. This, this year, actually, Bob Bryan, the American doubles player, did it. But obviously that's doubles. Oh, you're and waiting. he hasn't won anything. He you were just... waiting for me to say my fact, weren't you, before you just shot me down, sir? Was that your fact as well? No, it wasn't. But I said nobody came back and you immediately hit me someone who came back. Well, no, but you said into singles. <laughs> oh, right. This well, guy's a doubles now player. Now we're on technicality. And he himself, he said, he said like... I'm no Andy Murray. <laughs> <laughs> he said it was... He didn't think a singles player would be able to do it. Hey, Steve from the future here, just saying that we had a bit of audio cut out and we lost what we were talking about, but we are about to jump in and say that Andy Murray is back again playing at Eastbourne. Have fun! Um, he played at Queen's, which is the precursor tournament to Wimbledon, so quite a few uh, months afterwards. He played doubles there and won the title, so that was really good. I think everyone thought, wow, I can't believe how well he's done he to win. come back. Yeah, he won! I thought they lost. No, 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 he won. He, he played doubles again in Wimbledon yeah. with Serena Williams. Yeah, yeah. Lost with her, unfortunately. Uh, okay. That would have been really good because obviously yeah. she was coming back from kind of like um, pregnancy as well. So now it's been about nine months after the operation. It's his sixth ATP tour event since he came back and he has just won the European Open. Like just I said, a few hours ago. This yeah. is hot news. Stan Vavrinka, who is also a three-time Grand Slam uh, champion, so no slouch. <laughs> no slouch. <laughs> yeah, I've heard he's uh, rather good. Verifying that the professional tennis player is not a slouch. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've got a quote from Stan who spoke afterwards. Oh, did you of speak the presentation. To him, did you? Um, <laughs> me and Stan go a bit back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We used to own a uh, kebab shop <laughs> years ago. It's called this and that kebab. <laughs> <laughs> What did he have to say? He said, um, I think the tennis world, including me, was really sad in Australia after that press conference. I mean, I think we were, we all were, weren't we? 
and then to see you back at this level is amazing. We're all really happy. I'm sad I lost today, but I'm really happy to see you back. You're an amazing champion and you deserve it. I've lost today, but in general, it was a great week. And I think that kind of typifies the kind of goodwill that people have for Andy Murray's general, as a general rule, but then also the fact that he's come back from such a defining surgery and injury. Yeah, it's cool. It's not a... Uh... It's not going to break the world, but it's just it's nice, nice to hear someone's back doing what they love and doing it well, because he bloody won. He did it. Yeah. Well done, Andy, if you're <laughs> listening. Congrats. <laughs> Sir Andy. Sir Baron. Okay, so now we're going to delve deep into a bit of a tougher topic, and we want to highlight this because we think, while... It made news a bit ago. Um, we think it may have flown under the radar yeah. for a lot of people, as it wasn't kind of Britain sort of focused, especially while a lot of Brexit ideas were going around and a lot of other things were taking the news space. This kind of issue and this kind of problem yeah. was not swept under the rug, but I think it just wasn't talked about much. And because you, you said you didn't know about it before. Not anything specific Which, at all. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised about if you didn't really keep on top of quite a lot of the yeah. news stories that were going around. And it's genuinely it's horrible and it's mad. It's not, I was saying earlier, this isn't history. It's, it's happening it's right, right now. now. But yeah, it's one of those things you'd kind of look back if it was in a textbook yeah. and you go, how did this not, how is, how does this allow to happen? Yeah. How is it, does this happen in today's modern it's not age? So easy, not so easy to distance yourself from it when it's, current yeah um but what we are talking about to stop playing the pronoun game is um <laughs> no laugh <laughs> yes so what we're talking about is um the rohingya muslim refugee crisis yeah. in myanmar um so for a bit of background to this uh, myanmar is a country in southeast asia it has a population of around 54 million people um it used to be owned by the British Empire. It was called British Burma um, and then gained independence in 1948. Um, and that's kind of like a general baseline yeah. of what the country is. Um, because I think Myanmar's not, a, even though it's got quite a large population, yeah, you know, it's, that's, that's not it's getting insignificant. Yeah, at all. it's quite a lot of people. Yeah. People might not have heard the name Myanmar before. Um, uh, yeah, I've I think heard all, it, but might not have known where yeah, it is. Yeah, or, or if, if people have heard the word Burma, yeah, I think mm. a lot of people might have heard that, but yeah. that's the same as Myanmar. Yeah. Um, so what happened as a brief kind of snapshot, in August of 2017, so that's two years ago now, um, around 700,000 uh, Rohingya Muslims, which is a minority group in the northern state um, in Myanmar, were forced to flee after the military came in. The Rakhine State. The Rakhine State. Yeah. Yeah, when the military came in and began bulldozing villages, um, started basically a system of ethnic cleansing against the Rohingya Muslims. Um, and, yeah. I mean, I mean, just that kind of statement, it tells... It's a shocking headline. Yeah, you can't really react to it in anything but silence, really. It's horrible. And, well, to the point where the UN 
as we've seen a few times, it's I've described it as textbook genocide, which just sums up really that it's horrible. I mean, they swept through the villages, raping, burning, and just mass killings on the daily. Um, yeah, and that was back started out in twenty sixteen. You said. Uh, 2017, 2017 but there has been quite a it's this isn't the first um incidents of this um this is seen as kind of like a precursor to clashes in 2012 2015 2016 and the kind of pattern would be that um the army would come in to this area um and some of the other areas with kind of ethnic minorities after a small kind of um, incident, um, I believe in this one, it was a small militia force of um, radicals attacked a police outpost and killed a number of kind of police and security personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's looking at my notes, it's nine were confirmed dead. Um, and then the army came in very much with a heavy hand. And according to the report that was sent by the UN after this, um, the military crackdown was pre-planned and premeditated anyway. So they were waiting. Waiting for an excuse. Exactly. And to go from nine people die um, in these kind of attacks... To 700,000 people driven out of their own state. Well, estimates are around 7,000 dead from the Rohingya Muslims. Um, what, from the first time around? This is from this is the re- this is the retaliation right. by the army. Hundreds of villages burned and destroyed... Um, mass reports of uh, pillage, rape, uh, sexual assault. Um, yeah, I've got the numbers. 18,000 cases of sexual violence. <sighs> yeah, and Can't just under 700,000 people were forced to leave because of the violence. Yeah. Um, but and that also adds to 300,000 that had already left since 2012. This isn't... I think that's one of the things we need to get across. It's This is very much a flashpoint and a real figurehead for this kind of violence. Yeah. But it was continuous from before. This isn't the first instance. It's very much an escalation. Um, so there's a million people now have fled into Bangladesh. Yeah, the neighbouring country of Bangladesh. And in a... Well, you can't even call it a refugee camp. I mean, a million people, that's that's literally Birmingham. It's the size of Birmingham, essentially. Yeah. Um, I th- you, we were talking about before, and you were asking, uh, you know, about money that could be sent, you know, to make the refugee camp habitable or better. It's just but it's a, mil- a million task. people. Yeah, it's a city. It's a big city. It's and not just a city. Like it's. It'd be the second biggest city in the UK, on par with Birmingham. Yeah, it would be unbelievable for any old place just to suddenly have within the size of eight years. Mm. A million people walk in and with then, no pre-planned infrastructure, no pre-planned, you know, reason or ability to contain and house these people. Um, and it's, I, I immediately thought, well, what is being done, you know, to help? And the answer is not really much at all. Back in September 2018, so over a year ago, Jeremy Hunt, our foreign secretary at the time, had discussions with the other foreign secretaries of the UN of what to do and well not much has been done really from what i could tell yeah i'd probably agree with that it yeah. really does seem as if and that was a year ago 
you know, charities can do their best, but without real help. And I think this touches on a larger question around refugees. They're not seen as... They're seen as a problem rather than people that need help. Yeah, that's the best way to describe Which it. Which is, is mad, because they're the people that most need help, I mean... I mean, these people, just as a kind of segue into show how kind of problematic this is, is that Rohingyas are essentially 90% Muslims. So the Rohingyans, as an ethnic group, are essentially all Muslims. But they're living in Myanmar, or they were living in Myanmar, where 90% of the inhabitants are Buddhist. This is driven by racial and ethnic... Radicalism, essentially. Or yeah. Hate, hate. Yeah, it's, it's very much their different mentality. And I think that's... We need to drill down on this to, again, highlight the ridiculousness yeah, of why just, this is happening. It's one of those where you think, well, what's the reason for it? And again, it's just like, oh, they're different. That's all it is. It's... St- Straight up racism. Yeah. Um, the Rohingyans are denied citizenship under Myanmar law, which is against the international human rights. It's not legal to make people stateless. Yeah. And now over a million so refugees are stateless because ban- the Bangladeshis don't want them. The UN and most people want them to go back to Myanmar. <sighs> Myanmar is insane. Myanmar obviously does not want them. Yeah. So it's, You can't even say, oh, like, split, like, you can't just split up a... A whole state of people like and it's a whole ethnic group which is essentially being denied their identity and that's why they're not given citizenship or even just basic life needs it's not even just the identity of you know they've not all got shelter they've not got all these things and you question what's bangladesh doing to help and one of their solutions which is being discussed at the moment is to move 100,000 of them to an islet, so a small island in the Bay of Bengal, which you might think, okay, set up a community there. It's known that this island is prone to flooding every year. Yeah. Um, it's a floodplain. People around the islands that live on similar islands say the island is uninhabitable. Yeah. They don't want to live it's there. It's not a solution. This is very much, we found a piece of land that we can sling them. Yeah. It's... <sighs> and the fact that... And we know, like, Bangladesh don't have the resource. Who would have the resources to just cope with a million new people? Especially since um, in the Rakhine state, like you said before, 78% of these people lived under the poverty line. Yeah. These people don't have savings. They don't have money they can draw on to be able to just try and get themselves out. These people relied on the farming before. They were living day to day in terms of just surviving. And now they've been forced away from where they were living with yeah. all they had. They have nothing, yeah. and yet they are afforded nothing and by we, those with an ability to help. Previously, we've tried to offer solutions and things, but honestly, this is just something where you think, this is what the UN should be for, to help out people like this. And all they've done is criticise the people that kicked them out. Wow, brilliant. <laughs> well done for criticising them for attempted genocide. And it just leaves you wanting more, really, when you when you find out about these things but we thought it important that people at least knew about these people and their plight because that's the least that people can do yeah i mean to the very least to not know about it's the greatest shame yeah whether whether you feel you can do anything to help or not is yeah. another action but to, to either to live in ignorance the respect is to not not just turn your back at all
but yeah we usually we try and structure a conversation around maybe what we would do to help or you know what our solutions would be but in this case i think we we kind of just a bit resigned by the fact that the world and the structures we live in have failed these people when they really should have stepped up yeah especially in a day and age where you know people are talking about going to mars hmm. well we've currently got a lot of people being persecuted for no reason other than where they were born. Now it's time for the relaxed portion of the pod, the end, the easy bit, the riff. General chit chat about what we've been up to and just, you know, anything, anything we feel like. It's basically us just going off notes and uh, talking shit. Yeah. Usually. (laughs) And we're going to start off with a new little feature we're going to do each week. We're going to double it up this week, which is a fan of the week. Um, We forgot to do it last week, so we've got two fans of the week this week. Double fun. Yeah. Last week's fan of the week was going to be our boy Jack Wilkinson over in Australia, who featured us in pretty much every story possible. So cheers for that, Jack. Much appreciated. Thank you, Jack. You won fan of the week. (laughs) (laughs) And this week's fan of the week is... Jacqueline, for all the way from the sunny United States. Yeah, we're in at least three continents now, and she both shared the pod on her Snapchat story and also contacted us about the diplomatic community problem we were having with how do you sentence someone when they're essentially trying the laws of two countries. She slid in our DMs with facts and knowledge. And what she suggested essentially boils down to splitting the difference in the minimum sentence of each country for the crime. Um, So like a medium between the two. So if a crime was five years in the US, 10 years in the UK minimum each, they get 7.5 years if something can't be agreed upon. Sounds like a half decent agreement. Yeah. And, you know, at least then there'd be some sort of justice. (laughs) Find the justice. And on with the riff. So, what do you want to talk about? Um, well, we can talk about what we've, been, what we've been doing this week. We've been pretty lazy. Pretty, yeah, we haven't done much. Um, there's always ruggers. There's always rugby. If people are sick of us dipping into that yet. I mean, there's always rugby until it ends in two weeks. Yeah, there's two so. weeks, so <laughs> deal with it. Um, it was quarterfinals weekend. We now have four semi-finals. <laughs> Which is England versus New Zealand, and then Wales versus South Africa, uh, who saw off the brave blossoms if they've been. Oh God, the brave blossoms. I mean, they played well. I mean, they didn't play well with South Africa. They, they had a lot. The first half. They, they had were. a lot of possession. They didn't pass as well. I don't know. They got. Just, I think they got caught into uh, running with the forwards. Those last South African, last those large South African boys just a bit too much for them. I mean, the South Africans dropped a couple of tries as well. Yeah, they did. Um, it could have been a couple of handling, like, handling errors. Yeah, didn't really help them, but they were yeah. looking scary. They looked very good. Big right. and fast. Wales scraped past France. Or oh, one point in it so, in the dying moments. That's going to be an interesting game. See if Wales can maybe muster themselves um, against South Africa. I don't think they can. Well, they have two major players missing from the game against France. One has been out for a, quite a considerable amount of time. Yeah. While wow, the other one got injured in the warm-up, was it? Uh, yeah, he got injured today. That's Jonathan Davis, um, who's been the 
main man for their attack making meters. And um, yeah, he was out, and it nearly resulted in Wales being out. But they pulled through, as did our plucky boyos. The plucky boyos of England. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Smashed Australia. We're through, and we have to face the All Blacks. Just who... a small island nation of, you know... Four no... million people. Yeah, not many people at all. They can't be that good, can they? Yeah, not really. So that should be an easy walkover, so when we talk about the final, <laughs> uh, it'll be England versus... Uh... South Africa. South Africa, we yeah, think? Yeah, I reckon. That's easy, because there's absolutely no way a small country like New Zealand is any good at anything. Absolutely Especially not. not cricket or rugby. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, watch that next Saturday. It's England. Come on. Rally behind us. Unless you're not English, then rally behind anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Just not the All Blacks, eh? <laughs> uh, speaking of the boys, we've been watching the boys. Oh, that's a segue. Isn't that it? is That was smooth. <laughs> it was good, wasn't it? Uh, for those that you don't know, it's a... Is it a new series? I think it's been out for a little bit, but it's a fairly a new... It's series. an adaptation. It was from 2019. It's not an old yeah. TV program at all. A recent series on Amazon Prime called The Boys, which follows um, superheroes if superheroes were essentially treated like sports stars. And, um, yeah, it's, it's actually amazing. Yeah, I think the best way to think about it is it's more kind of look at how celebrity culture is Mm. Um, but through the lens of people with extraordinary powers. But uh, that doesn't mean that it's anything like, you know, the Marvel films or anything. No, it's, it's not, not silly at all. At all. No. It's quite funny. Oh, it's, it's still very funny, but it's dark. It's dark, very dark, and it's pretty grisly. Yeah, if you've seen Watchmen, think that, but more in a series with a, you know, a bit more time to develop the characters yeah. and the story. I mean, a lot, all, pretty much all the characters are really well fleshed out and quite three-dimensional. Yeah, amazing. There's um, no black and white characters. I mean, there's obvious good and bad guys, but they've all got, mostly have got redeeming features, and even the good guys have got their pretty pretty bad features as well. Some of them are pretty shitty. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, give the first episode a go, and, you know, tell us what you yeah, think Yeah, see, see if you like it. Yeah. Um, I think it gets better as it goes along. Definitely. I would... If you can, give it two or three episodes. I mean, because then that's, as we say, you get to see the characters be fleshed out, the story develops. I think I think if you've got time, um, if you've got three hours, you know, <laughs> through a week. Uh, not in one, one session. No, oh, just bash it out. <laughs> bash out the whole series. Fuck it, do it. Um, <laughs> do it, bitch. <laughs> you won't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, give it the first three hours. I think that gives it a really good flavour of what the comedy is what the drama is and what the overall flavor of the series yeah. is um we love it or at least i do um no, are you a big fan yeah excellent news so we're nearly at the end of that though so we'll have to find are some we? yeah it's only eight episodes i believe oh, let's get life again so we'll have to find something else other to do than just rocket league <laughs> <laughs> but i think that'll that'll wrap us up today we've gone gone on long enough taking up a long, enough of your day yeah, we've chatted quite a bit. Yeah, please follow us. <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> Listen that pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and Snapchat. Get in contact about anything today or if you just want to tell us to fuck off. Whatever you want. That would we'll be just a be fan- happy to get a message. That would be a fantastic message to wake up to. <laughs> right, see you next week.
now this is successful for oh jeez that was a bad one <laughs> <wasn't it? laughs>